Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another Three Points. Yes, it's been quite a good weekend. And joining me to discuss that Three Points plus that other cup stuff, we've got, he's back, he is back, he's finally back, it's Mr Andrew Saunders. Have you finished sucking? I'm sorry? Have you finished sucking? I have no idea what you're talking about. You were masticating a sweet, which is why we were slightly delayed coming on air. Oh, right, okay, I was having a locket. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's not a euphemism are feeling, either. Are you not feeling very well? Are you poorly? Yeah, not being 100%. A lot but, of it about. But I'm, I'm getting there. And of course, you know, once you start getting points on a board, can't keep away from here. Got to come and talk about it. But we do have a podcast virgin with us tonight. Uh, Mr. Liam Toomey, who is ESPN FC's Chelsea correspondent. Welcome to the Chelsea. Thanks, guys. Are you Pleasure in, to be here. Are you in? Uh, are you in the Gary Gang? Is that is that your your tenuous link with this? Uh, I don't think there was any formal initiation. I wasn't. Yeah, he has kind of uh, Gary Hayes, uh, our, our podcast regular, because he's he also does uh, he does Bleacher Report, but he also does a bit for ESPN as well, doesn't he? Uh, no, I don't think he does no, anything for so. ESPN. I think you're really Ble- embarrassing Bleacher yourself, and though. ESPN are like mortal enemies, oh, so they? really right, we okay. shouldn't be friends, but we no. are. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> kind of, you know, but they are friends. Okay. But uh, yeah, Liam, you're also a Chelsea fan, aren't you? Are you allowed to say that as a journal that you're a Chelsea fan? I think fan? you just said it. But, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. God, I've done it again. And do you go to all the games? Do you sit in the press box? Yeah, um, almost all of them. Uh, I was at Southampton at the weekend, which was a, a pretty Me good too. experience. It was good fun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I suppose we should go back to... to what I think, and I know they did the last week, they talked about Manu, but I was away, you were away, and you've got to get a chance to get the boot in somewhere along the line, even though it's been talked about. I thought it'd be quite an interesting idea to look at the week as a whole and how it all fitted together, where you had from one side of the week to the other side of the week, you had two exactly the same teams playing the same way. And then in the middle of the week, you had the same formation with different players and it didn't quite go as smoothly. And I, th- I think it's quite interesting. My, my point being, there's quite a few points I want to make, but I think... Should we go on? Yeah. <laughs> clearly going to just be on No, no, I, I, was just, I just thought it's interesting to say, because we've always talked about managers always wanting to know their best 11. And it seems to me that Conte knows his best 11 now. Mm. At the moment. He, for the moment, he does. But yeah. the only doubt is but they're William not or Pedro. I don't think. No, they're not. But they all do the job well, don't yeah. they? I the think position. they do. I, I, I would be wary of saying... Well, it depends what you mean by the best 11. I think the best 11 at this particular moment in time, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people yeah. gave Pedro some stick. Um, I've always been a Pedro fan. I think he, you can't fault his effort. He gives 100%. I think he's, you know, he's a big game player. He's played for, you know, in the biggest situations in the world. He's not going to be intimidated by any situation. I think he does give you a little bit. He gives the ball away a little bit. But he, um, you know, he's capable of, of, of pace and attack and pushing uh, teams back on the back foot. And he's come in, and I think he's been superb. Um, and I think what's also really interesting is that 
you know, we've said it many, many times, players that were getting a hard time are now performing. You know, Gary Cahill, you know, being a prime example of somebody that, you know, that had a really tough time with some of the fans and is now four clean sheets later, you know, seen as the, a mainstay of the defence. So, and captain. So when you go back to your point about his best 11, I, th- I think you're right. I think that probably is the best 11. But you look at the players that are, you know, on the shoulder, Fabregas, William, um, you know, and, and, and others, I, can't, I don't think that they're untouchables. I don't think that that's going to be the team for the whole season. I think he will bring people in and out of the team. Yeah, I mean, the only one variable at the moment, I think, is William or Pedro. Yeah. At the moment, it's Pedro because William's been away and things. I mean, how do you see this idea? Well, the My, other variable is John Terry, which we'll, we'll come on and talk about. Yeah, I think we will because we'll I don't think it's a variable it. anymore because I, th- I think there's something very interesting going on with that. But wh- how do you view this 11? Um my my thought is also that this eleven that he's hit on works, and against West Ham, when he got other people in there, it didn't because we don't quite have that depth of squad. Before, before you do that, should we just remind ourselves who that eleven is? The that West we're Ham talking ones. about. So we're oh, talk, the, no, we'll talk about the Man United and the Southampton okay, eleven yeah. because they were the unchanged teams between the, the Manchester yeah. United and the Southampton Premier team. So we had Courtois in goal, Azpilicueta, Luis, and Cahill as a three. Moses um, uh, and Alonso as the full-backs, the wing-backs. Kante and Matic uh, in the middle um, with uh, Costa, Hazard and, uh, and Pedro. Um, basically playing 3-4-3, three, three, I think, was the, is the accepted formation, but it seems very fluid. Um, and th- that's, that's the 11 you're referring to, yeah? Yes, yeah. that is. So, I mean, that, that seems to be the, the top 11 give or take Pedro or William. How do you see that? I think there's a really nice balance to it that Conte has kind of discovered almost by accident. Although he was talking about, interestingly, a couple of weeks before he switched at half-time against Arsenal, he did mention out of the blue that 3-4-3 could be a solution to this team. I think it was just after they'd signed Louise. Um, but it's it's just as much the system and just as much the fact that there are little relationships all over the pitch that make this work. You've got... Moses at wing-back, who I think we could all agree has been the biggest surprise. Conte called him a great surprise after the Southampton game. Um, and part of the reason why he's come in and, and done so well is because, and he's said this on several occasions, he's got Azpilicueta just yeah. behind him. He's very experienced in that role, who's talking him through the game, telling him where to be, particularly when he's not got the ball. He knows what to do when he's got the ball, and he's always been very effective at committing defenders. And then um, you've got David Luiz, who looks far more confident at the heart of that back three. And showing um, leadership. Yeah, farm. I mean, he's always been a, a strong personality. Maybe not a leader in the classic sense, but definitely a strong personality. And uh, I think he's got... He's just been so much calmer. He's restricted his wilder impulses. Um, and he just looks... He, his passing is always outstanding from centre-back. And uh, he looks every bit the defender that Conte promised he'd turn him into when he when he brought him to Chelsea. And up front, you've got... Eden Hazard suddenly unleashed, released from his defensive responsibilities, doesn't have to chase fullbacks for no. 80 minutes a game. And working very well with Costa. Yeah. He, and, then, and also in the midfield, you've got the Kante and Matic yeah. thing, which seems to have freed Matic up to become you well, know, the player that he was two seasons ago. Yeah, but that's absolutely. what Conte's done, isn't it? He's created partnerships, as you're saying. You know, you look around, as Piliqueta Moses, uh, Luis and Cahill... Um, you, you go uh, Hazard, Costa, uh, Kante, Matic. The only one who doesn't have any friends is Courtois at the back. Is well, and Alonso. And Alonso. No, Alonso, yeah, he, well, no, he's, he is. He's got no friends. He has got no <laughs> friends, you're right, because 
he does, and I thought it, we'll talk about him later, actually. But I'd say know, Hazard quite likes him at the moment because yeah. he's made his job a hell of a lot. Well, he has. He's allowed him up, hasn't well, he? Well, actually, Alonso probably does more work than anybody in that pitch. I'd love to see the stats for kilometres run because Moses has got Aspilicueta. Well, kilometres run is Cante. Cante. Sorry, Cante runs the most. Yeah, he probably does. He does actually, I think in the, in the league, I think. Yeah. You know, he's, well, he's got about six lungs. So. Yeah, it's a ridiculous. <laughs> he runs a ridiculous man. He's perpetual motion. But it's he's not changed, that he's running at pace. He's just always running. But he's changed him as a player as well, hasn't he? He's not just the get the he ball, sit, and hold, sit no. it off, give it to somebody. He actually marauds forward, and he's. He, I mean, it's extraordinary what he's done to him. I, I, I would have been happy just seeing him if we were going to play the old-fashioned way. Kante just getting the ball, passing it on, mm. and waiting for the next wave. And he's not. I mean, no. I, I still don't believe we signed him in a weird way, considering where we were. I mean, how did you feel about Kante? I thought at the time it was a transformative Me signing. Too. I thought it was signing of the season potential. Yeah. And um, I was a little bit surprised during the opening weeks when he was actually used in the Makaleli role when, when Chelsea was still kind of playing a more conventional 4-3-3. Because last season with Leicester, he maybe wasn't quite the attacking presence he's been for Chelsea in the last few weeks, but he was box-to-box. He was a roaming destroyer rather than just that little 10-yard gap either side of the he's, the halfway line. He's, he's so, got so much to offer on a wide area. He really he? has. And also as well, what I, and I've said it before, what he does so brilliantly and it's so hard to do is he marks space. He doesn't mark players, Marks all the space. <laughs> but he marks, he, he, he marks an area. And when somebody goes into that area, he mm. attacks them. You know, but he doesn't go and put himself next to players. He's never caught next to players. If you look at him, he's always in space, yes. marking that space. Yeah, and right. that's something that Makaleli did brilliantly. I actually think he's got more of a range of passing than Makaleli. You know, and I think I that's in some ways, you know, sacrilege well, to say, but I do think that Makaleli's, you know, great strength was the short pass, you know, the, the recovery pass, if you like. Mm. What Kante can do is pick the ball up, run with it. He's got a trick, he's got a turn, you know, he can play it both sides. I think he's got a much bigger range of passing. And what that also allows Matic to do is is to be the destroyer without worrying about people going past him. You but know? the interesting thing, again, you know, you call Matic the destroyer, but He's incredibly uh, amazing when you see him go forward He's got with the ball. Feet, yeah. You know, he can maraud as well. Yeah. And it's what I think is really interesting in such a short time when you think that basically this all turned round um against Arsenal at half time. That's when we changed the system. Mm. And since that moment onwards that Conte has actually got them to understand and you talked about this with Kante a moment ago. Um space. Mm. So that if one goes another person fills in. It's like Almost that that's what he's doing on the touchline. Totally, that's what he's Conte's, keeping everyone on he's the ball. Talking about space. space on the touchline, yeah. you know, he's not telling people to do anything technical. He's basically saying, "Go there, smart there, remain there, track back." You know, he's talking about space all the time. It's absolutely right. But you mm. can see that the p- players are picking up on that now and are starting to do it naturally. And that that is the sign of a good manager because he's working them. And let's face it, we've only been doing this a few weeks, but I think this whole issue of space is a really interesting phenomenon that seems to be coming in. Look, we've talked for the last few years about the system that Chelsea play. We've played the same system for years, basically, with slight variations. Four, two, three, one. Exactly. And now, not only us, there are other teams now going with three at the back or trying this or trying, you know. Apart from Jose, who seems well, wedded to four, two, three, one, and because he was one of the first people to really invent it in and this country. Scored one goal in October, Man United. Yeah, you know, you know it's uh, crazy. It's remarkable. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, so I think this whole awareness of space is a very interesting, and actually, is quite an old-fashioned philosophy that you know, space somebody, the final frontier. Exactly. There you go. You're right. But it was. It was the way the Dutch used to play football when we all went. Oh, 
look at that side Total doing that. Football. Absolutely, yeah. it was. And I think it's a... Go on, Liam. Well, no, and I think a key part of why Chelsea became... They, they started to look like such a tired team um, in the second half of last season and uh, in the second half of the title-winning season and last season was not just because of any physical issues. It was because in the 4-2-3-1, there were just certain dead areas. They were carrying players when they were attacking. Ivanovic can't cross the ball. He, for all his qualities as a fullback, he's never been able to cross no. the ball consistently. As Piliqueta on the left gives you nothing going forward. Well, so, he can't cross the ball with his wrong foot. Yeah. yeah. So he has to check back inside. It also means that teams can double up on Eden Hazard, so it makes his life harder. Um, so you were carrying four players and when also attacking fa- and from And Fabregas getting bypassed in midfield. Yeah. You know, because if, if, you, if you've got a team coming forward then Fabregas gets no space. Mm. And so unless he's got space, he can't operate. He can't quarterback. He's a quarterback, you know. So if, 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 you, if you push up on Fabregas, he can't do anything, you know. So yeah. again, that's another player you're carrying. Well, he's a one-way player. That's the heart exactly. of his problem under Conte is yeah. that Conte wants 10 outfield two-way players who yeah. are just well, as useful off the ball Nine as and it. a half because he's allowing Hazard yeah. some freedom. Little Although, bit. But he's getting back. But he does come back. You can see him. Sometimes he doesn't. And then you see him two minutes later actually making a run back as if to go, well, thanks, boss, for letting me not have to run back, but I'll do it. So it's quite interesting how he's um, working. W- what's really interesting about uh, Sunday was I was up high and, and I'm not normally up as high as I was uh, on Sunday. And looking down at the formation, what was interesting is how quickly that three became a five, how, how absolutely horizontal the line was across the bat with the five yeah. and how the four sat in front of the five mm. and just gave Southampton nothing. You know, now you could argue that early goal helps you do that. You know, you can do that. You can do it. But I would have been very concerned sitting back this time last year, thinking we'll never hold this out. But it's so disciplined that Moses and Alonso dropping back into the five with the Matic, Kante, um, you know, Hazard and 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 Pedro Four sitting in front of them, and Costa allowed to hold the ball up, which he does brilliant. It's just so good. It's so good to watch. Yeah, and it's, it's really well drilled at the moment. And it's only the beginning. Anyway, we will discuss this in further detail after this short break. Welcome back after that short break. Anyway, uh, should we talk about West Ham? Well, I was going to say, why don't we go on to that? Because there is one thing I'd, I'd just like to say and just get your point on before we talk about West Ham with the different team playing the same shape. Um... I think we got to three at the back because Conte decided to come in this season and he said, okay, you show me what you got, show me what you've been doing, we'll watch it over a few games, we'll see how it goes. And it was going really well, those first four games, everyone, oh, it's fantastic under Conte. And I think he was waiting for for the backlash, for something to happen. And I think that Arsenal and the Liverpool games were the ones that gave him the moment when also tied with John Terry's injury allowed him to go, you know what, I've seen all you've got, we're now changing to my way. He, he didn't get any slagging off from supporters and things going, you can't drop John Terry because, personally, we'll talk about this, I know you want to chat about it, I'm not sure JT can work in this system particularly well. Um, it allowed him to smoothly move into this, this new way. And, and I think JT's injury with those two losses has allowed him to take things forward, and he did it without any pressure. No, I agree. And I, it is interesting. You know, it's a nice segue, actually, into the, into the West Ham game, because he made seven, cha- he made seven <laughs> changes uh, in, in that game. Um, you know, the team was Begovic in goal, came in for Courtois. Luis Terry coming in uh, 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 instead of... Um, uh, uh, who did he come in for? 
Aspilicueta paid out on the right, didn't he? So it was yeah. Luis Terry, Aspilicueta. That's right. Kante, uh, Chaloba came in, uh, Oleana, uh, William Batshai, uh, and Oscar. So a lot of changes in that team. Phil Daniels with all of that then. Why would I say wrong now? Batshai. Batshai? You said Batshai. <laughs> did I say Batshai? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It doesn't matter. What's in the name? <laughs> um, John Terry coming back to the, to the middle of that defence. I thought it was interesting. I don't think he did very well. I think, I, I think you're probably right. But, you know, it's John Terry. He's going to... Can, I, can I just say to Liam, well, for him ever to say that I'm probably right is a beautiful and <laughs> rare moment. witnessing history Which I'm just going to relax and, and bask in. But, yeah. But you're probably right, because I, 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 um, I don't think he is effective. I don't think he has the pace uh, to be able to deal in, in the back three. And I, I don't think, you know, necessarily that Cahill has a huge amount of pace, but he's got more than John Terry. Um, yeah. And I, it just didn't work he looked like he got turned far too easily a couple of times you know it was interesting wasn't it when Costa Hazard and Pedro all came on as subs later on in the game you know how much of an impact they had and you know listen you can't have it both ways you can't scream to play the kids you can't scream to say give them a chance and then moan when we lose when the opposition puts out a full strength premiership team you know and I think that Chalibur of the three probably looked probably looked okay Bashwai, I thought, was massively isolated up front. Yeah. Didn't hold the ball up particularly well. But, you know, I think he's a not had really, a lot of game time. Not had a lot of game time. And I think he's a brilliant player. Oleana looked very callow. I didn't I didn't think he, he had a particularly you good game. You said that at the pre-season. We were talking about Oleana. And um, I said, I quite like the look of him. You said, yeah, I've seen quite a lot of him in the last year or so. He's got the potential, but it really is still the potential. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like he's got things, but he doesn't. Chalabar steps onto that pitch. Whether he had a good game or a bad game, it was kind of an indifferent. He just had, he just had a meh game. Yeah, he but, just didn't have a he didn't have a yeah, great game. But that's know. what I'm saying. But he's got the physique, hasn't he? You see him, he's a big lad. And yeah. you know, obviously there's something that Conte sees in him. I mean, how do you view the youngsters? For me, I love having them having a go. And I don't care if we lose cup games. Yeah, well I think um Chalibur's about hundred senior games ahead of Ainer, and you can see that. Yeah. Um, both physically and in terms of just he looks a lot more at home on the pitch. Yeah, uh, He probably should have got his chance before now, to be honest. But um, I think he's played pretty well whenever he's been called upon. I, I remember Aina made a, a big mistake against Bristol Rovers as well yeah. Yeah. the last time he started. And uh, Conte definitely likes him. He's got, he's got bundles of physical potential, uh, technically pretty tidy. I was quite surprised they played him on the left rather than the right. Um, I know because Aspilicueta can play there as well, and I I thought that they would play maybe the younger man in the position where he was most comfortable in a yeah. in a game that was going to be as difficult as that. But he's played it on the left at youth level as well. Uh, they they've got some promising guys. You know, Loftus Cheek has kind of uh, dropped down the pecking order a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Loftus Cheek wasn't even on the bench, so presumably he's, he's had a he's had a, he's been carrying a back injury. But yeah. part of his problem as well is that the shift to three four three hasn't been good for him because Conte kind of sees him as this sort of half striker rather yeah. than a midfielder. Which, to be honest, you know, um, Goose did a little bit as well. Played, yeah. uh, played him, you know, well, maybe yeah, they're seeing of... something in training that we're not seeing in yeah. games. But it's interesting, actually, that he's trying to change Loftus-Cheek from what we've imagined him because, actually, for me, a lot of the great things of, uh, uh, that Conte's done has been based about returning players to the position we bought them for. You know, like as Piliqueta going to right back, mm. Eden Hazard coming more central. You know, uh, it, it just goes on. You know, he he obviously thinks if these people have been playing these positions since they were kids, why not keep them there? It's a, it's kind of a Mourinhoism, I think. This I've seen this player and I see him as something else. He did it say like with Lasana Diara. 
at our place, who I always Hazard thought... hasn't come that more central. Hazard's still no, playing but, left. Yeah, but he's not he's like... coming inside. Not, yeah, he's coming in a hell of a lot more. He's roaming he? a lot yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's, he's given he's a little bit wandered. more freedom. Yeah, he's yeah. got yeah. freedom. But he's not playing him in, you know, behind the striker in a no, ten row. No, 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 no. But he's keeping him on the left almost of a pair almost mm. now. Well, one thing that does concern me, and Rick Glanville said this on a recent podcast, he said, you know, the, the stakes are so high in the Premier League these days that if you're a youngster and you come in, you have to take your opportunity. You have to. You cannot coast through a game and think it's just the EFL Cup. You know, and it worried me a little bit that Chalabar didn't raise his game a little bit in that, that Batshuayi was a little bit isolated up front. It felt like they weren't taking their chance. I think they're capable of it. And, mm. you know, I want to see these players hungry. I want to see them really, really wanting it. And that, for me, was a little bit disappointed. It felt, I'm sure they did. I don't know what it was, whether it was the atmosphere or the occasion or whatever, but they didn't look hungry enough for me. I want them more hungry. Well, I thought... Pretty much all of the problems Chelsea had in that game stemmed from the defence. Mm. The fact that I, I'd give, I'd be tempted to give Terry a little bit of a pass just because he hadn't played in five yeah. weeks. You know, we know he's not the most mobile anyway, but he was obviously going to be particularly rusty for that game. Uh, Louise doesn't look as comfortable on the right of that three as he does in the no. middle, and because there was so much more uncertainty in that defence and, and Begovic behind, who doesn't have the same understanding, I think that made the midfield drop deeper to try and protect them, I think particularly with the, the start of the I West Ham, which left Batshuayi isolated. And Batshuayi, from all the people I've spoken to in France and a lot of the noise around him at the time when he signed, was while he's a, a fantastic prospect, he's very raw and he's also not someone who's very accustomed to leading the line on his own. Mm. We've seen a lot of the best things he's done at Chelsea have been when he's been up front with Costa. Yeah. And there's the beginnings of a really good partnership there, but unfortunately the shift to 3-4-3 doesn't kind no. of fit with that. So... Um, I think he'll continue to be more of a bench option for Chelsea. And I don't mind that. I think he's a really good impact sub. I think he's got something yeah. about him. I think he's he's really good. And, and he'll get his days. Costa is up for a suspension soon. Yeah, I mean, it was the yeah. first time we failed. It's a matter of time. But he has been a lot with cards, isn't he? Yeah, he's been well, a lot he hasn't, more been, hasn't had a card for the last four games, though. No, no, he? You know, amazing. It's an amazing temperamental shift. From having had four cards yeah, in the first five games. And he doesn't even look like getting booked, to be honest. I mean, he's been no. really, really good. Now, maybe that's because he's enjoying scoring goals and he's enjoying playing and he's enjoying winning. Yeah. You know, and maybe that says a little bit about his attitude to losing. Conte's done something with yeah. him. He's, yeah. he's got to him, hasn't he? And he's that's what he seems to have done with all the players at the moment. You know, OK, we'll see what happens. You know, this is the other thing. What will happen, you know, when Chelsea go one goal down against a decent yeah. side? We haven't seen that yet, um, you know, in this new shape. Well, that's... That we'll have to figure out, but um, well, I think I think what's um, what's interesting about that point is there seems more confidence in the team there has been for you know for ages, two years, yeah. In the sense that I think if we do go one nil down, we won't panic. And I think in the past we've either clammed up or we've panicked. And I felt looking at the team, you know, on Sunday, particularly on Sunday, that they just looked full of confidence. There was a self possession about them that felt that they were predetermined to win that game and they weren't going to lose it and that everybody in that team was playing as part of a unit mm. everybody was sorting each other and what was really interesting as I stayed behind and watched them come off the pitch John Terry was standing by the tunnel John Terry shook everyone by the hand slapped him on the back it felt like we were a team again it felt and when they celebrated the goals when they celebrated at the end of the game in front of the fans it felt like we were back to that not bunker mentality that was under Mourinho but but a, a sense that we are know, a team we are we're the real deal yeah. you know and there's 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 something that gives a players a lift if they feel they're part of a strong unit I think yeah I think we'll learn a lot more about this how far this Chelsea team have come when they do go behind in a game we saw a little bit of it in the early weeks to be fair um, they weren't they were having to rescue games but they were rescuing games against yeah. West Ham and against Watford they did it um, 
what I was, yeah, what I'm interested to see with the three four three is that we'll we'll get the chance to see them up against much better opposition, particularly going forward in the next few weeks. Everton at home, um, Middlesbrough away will be a difficult game, but then Spurs at home, City away. So the the big tests are coming, particularly Pochettino and Guardiola, who who will attack far more than Mourinho did at Stamford Bridge. And I think I think you're absolutely right, absolutely right. And I think actually the test will be in the defence because I think going forward we are the equal of yeah. you know probably anybody yeah, anybody except probably City who have Aguero who just seems to be supernaturally good at the moment but anybody else but and maybe, Diego's and, still the top and, and, scorer and, and maybe and I hate to say it maybe Liverpool who just look like a great unit going forward but mm. we look like the equal of, of anybody going forward I think we can score goals well, I think uh, we scored 11 goals in, in October and conceded none you know so it's, it's, it's a you know it's a hell of a record but I think at the back you know, it's interesting to see, you know, whether we will rise to the occasion, whether Alonso, particularly Alonso and Moses, when they get real tests yeah. down the flanks from your Sterlings. And your, yeah, you I know, mean, because Tadic gave Alonso a, a testy few t- Turned him inside minutes. out at one point. Yeah, Four he, times, wasn't it? I'm not convinced that with Alonso's defending. No, not, but I, not, I, not I don't think Conte is either. No. No. Um, but he's, he's working with him. But he works brilliantly going forward. Yeah, but yeah. that's the thing, isn't it? You, something has to give somewhere, you know, that actually... You're going to lose something somewhere with the players that we've got at the moment. But you look at the full, the modern fullbacks. You look at, at those players that are, you know, seemingly doing pretty well from a fullback position. People like Danny Rose, he can't defend. Moreno can't defend, and mm. he was brilliant for Liverpool at the weekend. You know, Cafu a, couldn't defend. Well, no, you know, and you you could argue that you know that Alberto Carlos couldn't, couldn't defend either. You know, so but there's yeah. there, there's there's a history of fullbacks <laughs> not being able to defend as you know as well as they attack but that's why he you... can defend but I think you know the first game that Alonso played I was like who's this I mean what's this This because that was in a four that was in a back four and it just looked shocking well, when he just basically had to defend but that's where with the back three you need your back three to be the business because that's their job to go time for me to step over and clear this mess up um, so you know we'll see how it beds in yeah, I'm, I'm but sure that's great about having an Italian manager because Italians have a defensive mindset yeah. you know they have this Catanaccio approach to the game they have this we build from defence and I think that you know that's a real advantage of having contest. he comes from that culture of building from defence and it's so noticeable that if you look this time last year all the issues were in defence we were catastrophic in defence and we're not now Four goals with four games without a goal conceded. I mean, yeah. that's that's a hell of a record. No, I agree, and I, I think so. I mean, summing up the West Ham game, yeah, it was a shame we lost, but I didn't care because we tried out other players in the system. We found out certain of them will need certain work on them. Um, some of the kids got a run out. I think we'll see Chalabar on the bench an awful lot for this mm. season in normal Premiership games. Olerena, I think, will step in every now and then. Um, you know, Loftus Cheek may get his way back. But what I love is this is happening, us seeing kids coming out and playing in October as opposed to the last four games in April or May. It's true. I mean, it is a shame that it's the first time we failed to reach the League Cup quarterfinal in consecutive seasons for the first time since 2000, 2001. But frankly, in this season... We don't care. I'm not that worried about no. it. I mean, it is, it, is, it is a cliche to say we are concentrating on the league, but we need a top four position. We need to be back in the Champions League. Yeah. If we can put a little FA Cup run together in January, fine. You know, but I, I mean, I do think the EFL Cup, I'm, I'm asked, frankly, yeah. this year. And I like the Cup. I think it's a good Cup to see development players coming through. It's good fun. Yeah. But, you know, but this year, wasn't worried at all. Let's go to South. Let's go to Sunday. Let's talk about Southampton properly. Because, yeah. you know, as you say, unchanged team uh, from the yeah. team that beat Man United seven days previously. And, and it was just, you know, again, under Conte, we're seeing the facts that stats 
don't necessarily tell you the full story these days. Yeah, and it depends what stats they are. Well, you know, the, the fact that the, we don't concede a goal for four games, that's a stat. That's a good stat. But also, possession doesn't mean anything. We only had 45% no. of the possession had, in that yeah, game. Exactly. And it's what you do with it. Southampton had, what, one shot on target? Yeah. Is that right? Uh, yes, I think did. that's right. One shot on target. We had yeah. seven. Yeah. Uh, Most of their shots came from distance as well. Yeah, we, they, they had one shot on target. We had 13 shots, seven on target. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, we, we, they had 486 passes. We only had 409. So, no, it doesn't tell the whole story. Yeah. But, you know, we did talk about how the three became a five, how the four sat in front of it, how once we got that early goal, uh, Hazard scoring in the sixth minute, you know, which was a great bonus for us. Um, a second week in a row that we've scored early mm. um, it does allow us then to control the game in the way we want to and of course we're going to let them have possession what's interesting is letting them play in front of us which they did moving the ball from side to side they weren't moving it quickly enough from side to side you know it was when, once it's in their half nobody was closing them down because why would you let them have the ball it, you know, and, and as soon as it came into a half, Kante, Matic, snapping about them, winning it back, nicking the ball, creating the counter-attacking chances. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a brilliant, brilliantly tactical performance. And something we've been missing because for all of you know, Mourinho's genius in the past, I saw no evidence of that tactical genius last season. No, Whereas just this was probably strategically thought out. Yeah, you know, it was a really, really interesting game. Leaves us fourth in the league on twenty-two points after ten games, uh, one point behind Man City, Liverpool, and Arsenal respectively. Two points above Spurs in fifth. I mean, we're we're set really well. I think double the amount of points we've got now than we had at this point last season. Took you know. in, it took until January the third for Chelsea to reach twenty-three points last season. Yeah, so we've got exactly double the number of points, twenty-two, that we had after ten Premier League uh, games last season, which was eleven. So you know, you can't that's a stat that you can look at and say that's a huge improvement. Yeah, it, well, it is. We, we know that and we're seeing it. We're not winging it, we're playing. We're those playing four football. clean sheets in a row, by the way, that's the first time we've kept four clean sheets in a row since August 2010. You know, lot. so, I mean, it shows how much work has gone into that defence and, and, and how much focus has gone on it. Yeah, I mean, how, how did you view the Southampton game? It, for me, it looked like a game we controlled. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was another game conditioned by an early goal. Um it allowed Chelsea to play the way they wanted and it exposed Southampton's vulnerabilities. I think they haven't, they've struggled for goals since losing Mane and Pella. Yeah. Um, Austin and Redmond aren't quite giving them, while they're capable Premier League players, they're not quite giving them what those two gave them. Uh, Chelsea just forced them side to side down the flanks. They launched a lot of crosses in, a lot of free kicks, but they were mostly headed away. Chelsea were very calm and you saw... Calm is a really interesting word yeah, to use. Yeah, everyone was Very calm. calm. Yeah, you um, never got nervy when they were attacking. You thought, well, no. let's get sorted. And it became a recurring pattern of Matic and Kante hunting in packs in yeah. the middle of the pitch to, to pick and choose their opportunities to win the ball and launch Chelsea counters. And because all four members of that midfield four and the two in front of them can carry the ball vertically at pace... Yeah. There were so many situations where Chelsea just found themselves with men over. And in this formation, there just always seemed to be men running free. Yeah. And that might not happen in the longer term as teams maybe get more of a handle on this system. They haven't really had much time to react to it yet. But Chelsea's execution of the 3-4-3 will surely get better as well. Or at least that's Conte's plan, you well, think. You know, if you look at one of the better players in the Premier, Premier League this season is uh, Ander Herrera. Manchester United and I thought he was absolutely out of the game against us I thought he had a terrible game against yeah. us because yeah. he couldn't get near the ball yeah. and it's very interesting playing in this system that 
why would he get near the ball? We've mm-hmm. got more men in midfield. You know, there's no reason why he should get near the ball. But you know, again, he's a bit like for, uh, like Fabregas when he's got time and space, he can he can influence the game. Obviously, got sent off at the weekend, but you know, but uh, you know, it was really interesting to see that that Kante Matic axis putting someone like Herrera out the game. You know, it completely messes with the heads of other teams. Yeah, I, I agree, and that's the thing about Conte is that he's created a system which is so many different systems when it needs to be. Everyone shuffles back, everyone shuffles forward, you know, it goes wider, it goes narrower, everything can happen. Well, can I tell you what he actually said, which is interesting in the post-match, because it sums up almost everything we've been saying. He says, we knew today was a test against a strong side in good shape and form. It's important to win win, win games like this. People can increase their confidence and will to work and trust in the work. We created many chances. It's the perfect game when strikers score and defenders don't concede. The players deserve this. They work hard in training. When you see this type of game and commitment from your players, it's fantastic for a coach. You know, so there's clearly he's delighted that all the work him and his coaching staff have done in terms of drilling the team defensively is allowing the strikers the freedom to go and express themselves, which is something that wasn't happening last year. Hazard wasn't no. expressing himself. Costa wasn't expressing himself. Remember all those arguments about why aren't you in the six yard box? You know, all those you know, those yeah. months of people tearing the hair out, going, You're never there. We've got three, four players in the box every time we attack now. And it's Diego's remarkable. leading them. He only goes out wide when it's essential. 40th, Diego Costa's 40th Premier League goal in his 64th appearance. Seven games faster than it took Sergio Aguero to do that. You know, now the top goal scorer in the Premier League with eight goals. Yeah. No, I mean... But, he's, but, I mean, he's on fire at the moment. He, he is on fire and he's still brilliant. missing a few as well. Yeah. I mean, he could actually be on 15 or 16 goals. Yeah, I mean, I would say this about the one-on-one with Forster. You know, he was a little bit wide and Forster is massive. Yeah, he is. He's massive. Now I'm talking about that dink at the near post. Which he managed to get his foot to, and it went. Oh yeah, straight up. Yeah, now, you know, I mean, they're they're all half chances and yeah. a difficult thing. I'm, don't worry, I'm not moaning about Diego. I love what he's doing. But if I you're think- talking about goals as well, I mean, we've always been moaning the fact that we've lost 20 goals a season from Frank Lampard. But isn't it great to see Eden Hazard scoring again? You know, he's now got uh, more goals. Uh, this season, then you know, then uh, at this point this season, he got the whole of last season. You yeah, know, he's got four, you know, uh, four goals last season, um, and he's got five now in ten. Yeah, you know, no, it's, I mean, it's amazing. Look, the he scored for the first time. He scored in three consecutive Premier League games uh, in a row for the first time. Well, well, I think you know he's in, he's on he's on a hot streak. Yeah, I think what Conte's done is he's given Hazard a platform to actually not just get back to the form he had when he won Player of the Year, but actually take his game to a new level because he's allowed. What Hazard did to win Player of the Year was he adhered to Mourinho's instructions completely on both sides of the ball. Whereas in this 3-4-3, it allows him to just focus his whole game on the final third. And he doesn't have to stick to the left. When he does, he's got an overlapping runner. So he's always one-on-one where he's lethal. And then he, he can also drift to the right where you saw for the first goal. He just pops up unannounced, cuts inside and scores. And I think the more he can do that, the more he can work off the ball, yeah. the more he'll find ways to, to influence and win games. It's interesting as well, because I, w- I went with a friend of mine in Southampton fan who took me, got me a ticket and sat next to me. And he said to me, what's going to win you this game? I said, mate, if Eden Hazard has a good game, you haven't got a chance. You haven't got a chance. He can dominate and destroy a team you know, on his day. We haven't seen enough of that, I don't think, in his time at Chelsea. Firstly, that season where he won Player of the Year, he was he was immense. But, you know, the following season, you know, that inconsistency came out again. If we can get another season like that out of him, I think he's up there in the world in terms of game-changing players. You know, I mean, I would be terrified I was an opposition fan seeing Eden Hazard running at me. 
Yeah, he's the closest thing we've got to uh, you know to one of the you know Suarez, Neymar, Messi trio. He's the closest thing we've got to that game changing, mystical, supernatural talent. Yeah, I agree. I, I, but I think this is all down to Conte doing the simplest thing a manager can do, which is play to his players' strengths. Play to the strengths, and you're already in a better place than you are when you're going. Oh, I think you're not really a right back. You're going to be left back. You know, it's that whole changing it for and change's yet, sake. And yet. Victor Moses. Well, Victor <laughs> Moses, for me, I already want to make him player of the season because I just love his attitude. But here's a guy who's not a fullback, you know, who's never been a fullback. He's probably never played there before, probably never played for him at school, you know, was a prodigious talent growing up, you know, was, was seen as one of the, you know, the great hopes. Well, it was who, like Zaha, wasn't he? The, the hot kids from South London. Exactly. He and was then, Zaha before Zaha. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. Yeah. You know, and, you know, Vic Mo goes out on loan to Stoke, to, you know, to other teams. And, you know, he's the forgotten man. He comes in pre-seasons. He plays that kind of wide role, you know, does, does okay does okay we all think well, maybe this is the season then he's immediately out alone you say that he's playing players to their strengths and you're right he's playing him to his strength but who knew that his strength was as a fullback but he hasn't taken him away from that side of the pitch he's gone you do really good work up there but I think you can do it he's probably he probably makes mincemeat of everyone sprinting or something something has just caught Conte's eye and he's gone and you've got a brain and you're listening to what I'm doing you could be a wing back when I change the system he has got a brain yeah, I think has. that's the really interesting yeah. thing about Moses, that yeah, he's, he's an intelligent footballer. Yeah. You know, his decision-making is good. I was, you know? ta- I was talking to a friend of mine saying something about Moses. said that actually before, when he was with us and he would get the run-outs and things, he'd be on as a winger. And he'd, all, he'd hardly ever start the game. And that actually, if you're a winger and you're brought on as a sub, you're brought on because you need to do something. I.e. you've got to make an impact. So mm. the pressure is on you that much more. This way, he's a defender or an attacker. He's on from the start and he can relax into the game a bit more. And I think that's quite an interesting thought because he does look like that kind of player. He sort of, you know, he can really go at people, mm. but it's almost like he's made a tackle before he has a go at somebody. It's almost gives him that bit of confidence, I think. The only thing that's going to dislodge him from that side at the moment is injury yep. or John Terry coming back. Because if John Terry comes back, as Piliqueta goes into his position, because you don't drop Azpilicueta, right? No, I don't, I don't think so. But so, what, so, so where does that leave John Terry? Well, I, I think it leaves him on the bench for yeah. the foreseeable future. I agree. I think it leaves him as the figurehead captain of the club who, who will never be plays. the one. Yeah, exactly, but he'll be happy. Who never plays? I don't think it... I think he understands. He knows. Look, part of me thinks that Conte played him against West Ham the other night just to show him how much it might not work for him in a kind of a weird way. I'm sure it didn't happen like that. But Joe, John Terry's didn't no happen much. Like that. Sorry, didn't happen. John, we're going to put you on the pitch to make you look like a mug. <laughs> but you'll, but you'll realise it quite early on. I'm doing you a uh, favour here, yeah, making absolutely. you look stupid. No, that I, I think, go on. No, sorry, I do think though that Conte has been signposting this for months. Yeah. You had the contract uh, saga with Terry, which was only resolved very late, and he posted on Instagram that the contract he was looking at was a different role. That clearly came from Conte, and then. Conte's introductory press conference as Chelsea manager, he said when he was asked about Terry, he's the captain whether he plays or doesn't. He instantly raised that as a possibility. He he knew from the start in his ideal vision for this team, Terry would not be in it all the time. He's mm. not integral. He's integral to the club because he's the perfect captain. Um, 
and perfect leader, but they don't always need him on the pitch. And Conte wants to reach, wants Chelsea to reach a place where they don't always need him on the pitch. Okay, so let, let, let's 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 throw this on the table. John Terry is on the bench. I think we'll all agree with that. You know, he doesn't fit the system. One of the three gets injured. You know, uh, Luis Cahill particularly gets injured. Who comes in, Terry or Ivanovic? It depends uh, which of the three they have to replace, I think, because Conte's already made it quite clear that Terry can only play as the middle of the three. The ones on the left and the right need to be fast to cover the space. So um, if it's Luis, maybe it's a, it, you know the swap makes itself because it's like for like. If it involves moving Luis to the right or the left... You know, it's a limited sample size, but he, he didn't enjoy that experience against West Ham. So that might require, at the very least, a bit more work on the training pitch. So does Ivanovic have a future? He came on very late in the game against Southampton for five or six minutes. I mean, you know, has, has he got a future at the club? Contracts up at the it's end. It's an of the interesting year. one. Yeah, I, I mean, think they'll let him go because it's, it's coming up in at the end of the season. They might if they even, buy another. If they buy another defender, he, ha- he has to go, doesn't he? Because I, I don't. I, don't and, I can't see what his role is after that. Well, know. and there is one other point that he's we've fifth, forgotten. He's fifth choice, you know, the, sort of of the back three. And Kurt Zuma's coming back. And Kurt Zuma's coming back. If he, yeah. let's hope, God willing, that he comes back and is still a decent player. Nice segue. Because I think we've kind of done the the, the Southampton. Just set you game. up. You knock them down, son. Well, let's talk about the youth a little bit. Because what was interesting about the development squad who drew one-one uh, away at Everton last night was both Kurt Zuma and Marco Van Hinkle played. Remember yeah, him back uh, both coming back from injury. Both played an hour before being taken off. Uh, I watched Kurt Zuma's first game back last week. Where he gave away a penalty uh, and looked really rusty, um, but did some good stuff as well. He looked better last night. Um, you know, I think that looks a bit bulky to me still. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's that that's going to come. I think match fitness, but it's good. I think the development, the, this this um, development squad thing is really good for what the old reserve squads used to be yeah. like, bringing players back from injury. I don't know what future Marco Van Hinkle's got. I mean, it's like you know, he's a very he's a very decent player, decent though. player who had a really good season last year. Like you know, him. scored a lot of goals, but very injury prone. Mm. You know. He, well, he was really unlucky. I mean, if you yeah, remember, was. he was Mourinho's first signing when he came back. That's right. And Mourinho made a personal intervention to, to get him from Vitesse. He clearly rated him as a player. Yeah. And he did his cruciate ligament That's within right. and he's never a really month or two been months. But he was very, very good last year in Holland. So, very interesting. He's, well, he's players a little, who come back from Stoke seem to do all right. little wild card <laughs> out there. Um, Their next playing, the development squad next playing, at Stamford Bridge uh, when they host the Oxford United first team and the Checker Trade Trophy. If you want to go to that on Tuesday, the 8th of November, just five quid for adults and three quid for concessions at the bridge. And do you know what's the night before? On the 7th of November, it's the Chelsea Live. Excellent, Great, Thank you. Andy. Tell us all about the Chelsea Live. What's that, Kerry? Oh, it's us live doing the Chelsea, but with Paul Canaville. Who's and Paul Canaville? You know, Chelsea's first black player. Legend, um, the legend, Paul Canaville. Absolute legend. Um, thoroughly Subject of the, of the autobiography uh, co-written with... Subject of his own autobiography. Well, I'm going to say autobiography because it was co-written with our uh, very own Rick Glanville. Is it technically, technically an autobiography if you've written it with someone else? Well, it's all in the first person. Right, okay. So, so I suppose it is. It. Yeah. I mean, it is. Have you, have you read it? Yeah, it's brilliant. It is. A, have you it's read it? It's a prize-winning book. It's black and blue, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, really it's, good. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, um, it's a really good. Well, it's a really good snapshot of a time, I think, as well. You know, and just. just well, I just uh, love all the stuff. You know, he talks a lot about growing up and you know having to to put up with all sorts of stuff when he was young and how he got through it. It's, it's a great read and it's well worth reading, but it's also going to be well worth coming along. There's there's some tickets left at. Uh, 
wegottickets.com, isn't it? Yeah, if you go to wegottickets.com and put in the Chelsea podcast in the search bar, that'll bring up the tickets. They're a tenner, only a tenner. We're only charging a tenner because we have to pay for the room. We're not making any money out of it. Uh, We might buy a Paul Cannaville drink, you know. But ultimately, it's going to be the normal podcast, uh, then a sort of an interview with Paul... Um, Rick's going to do a quiz. Uh, yeah. I think Jeff Young's going to come along and maybe play Spit some CDs. A few discs. Um, yeah. And it's quite intimate as well. It's not a very yeah. big space, so that'll be good. Yeah, it's at the Albany Pub. At the pub. Albany Pub, which is dead opposite Great Portland Street Tube Station. Literally, as you come out of Great Portland Street Tube Station, dead opposite, really easy to get to. Starts at 7. Yes. 7. So, anyway, we got tickets.com. Liam's coming. Are you oh, coming, yeah. Liam? I'll yeah. inquire about a ticket afterwards. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but but um, uh, we just make sure everyone's there. Okay, so we should just go... Under 18s. Under beat 18s. Leicester 2-0 on Saturday at Fortress Cobham. 19 months unbeaten at home. 19 amazing, months unbeaten at home. Amazing. Martel, Taylor Crossdale with both goals. That's three clean sheets at home in a row too. Third in the league. Level on points with Arsenal. Two points off West Ham at the top. So there, Jody Morris's team definitely up for you know for, for some silverware this year if they can keep going like that. They play their next game away. Brighton and Hove Albion on Friday. And finally, the ladies who uh, beat Reading 3-2 on Sunday. Two goals from Enia Luko helped them to a victory which secures second place in the league and a spot in next season's Women's Champions League. So well done to Emma Hayes and all the players. Absolutely. And just before we go, we should have our little round-up. We've got Everton coming up on Saturday. That's not Tough an easy game. game. Tough had a good, game. good win against Tough West Ham at the weekend. Yeah. You know, I... Romelu Lukaku scoring goals. Yeah. You know, he always loves a goal against mm. us. Well, I think it'll be interesting to see scored how our boys the, take care of him. Scored in the, uh, was it the League Cup or the FA Cup last year? Uh, the FA Cup. Yeah. But, uh, and Everton can actually defend now, which, uh, yeah, is which is really sad. From last season. Mind you, Phil Jagielka still gets a look in, doesn't he? So you've always got a chance of a fly hacked own goal. <laughs> I always feel sorry for him. I think he, I'd love to know how many own goals he's scored because he does seem to get quite a few. Um, I actually think we're, we're probably stronger away um, than we are at home. You know what I mean? So, I mean, all right, we're coming off the back of a 4-0 four, uh, victory. I always feel more confident we're away than we're at home. And uh, it's actually, we've won more away Premier League games than any other side in 2016. But in the same time, we've only won five home matches. Well, you know, let's, so it's, let's it's, hope <laughs> another one's on the way. And we've got to be get... confident, though. If we have the back of four straight yeah. wins, got to be got to be confident. Well, I'm always... Let's go for the predictions. Your prediction. 2-0. I'm not as confident that the clean sheet record will continue, but I do think Chelsea will win. I think maybe 2-1. Okay, I'm going to go for 3-0. I don't care. I'm doing it. That's another it. win. We agree another win. Yeah? Oh, yeah. yeah. If we're, we're all... going to have any chance of competing for honours this season, we have to be <coughs> the likes of Everton at home. We have to. We have to beat the likes of Southampton away, and we have to beat the likes of Everton at home. We and the to. likes of Man U at home. Well, I think... And the likes of... <laughs> All of them that we've beaten. Well, no, I mean, you need to have an occasional couple of bad losses to just remind yourself, and we've had those already. So there's only good things to happen, I'd say. I'd say. Anyway, thanks, Andy. Pleasure. Lovely to meet you, Liam. Thanks, Great guys. to have you on board, and we will see you all next week. This has been The Chills. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network.